Welcome to the O'Reilly Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Foster. This podcast is brought to you in part by Lightbend, the company behind the Lightbend Reactive platform and such popular developer frameworks and tools as Akka and Play. Today, I'm talking with Edward Callahan, a senior engineer at Lightbend. Ed started delivering Java and JVM services into production environments back when NoSQL databases were called object databases. At Lightbend, Ed developed and deployed early versions of reactive microservices using Scala, Akka, and Play with pre-release versions of Docker, CI jobs, and shell scripts. He enjoys being able to share the joys of teaching and learning while working to simplify building and delivering streaming applications in distributed computing environments. Hello, Ed, and it's great to have you on this podcast. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, let's jump right into our questions. I got a, I got a, a lot of you know good ones for you, and I, I thought we'd start with um, you know ultimately why should developers and software architects care about building and deploying microservices that are reactive? Yeah, well, I think it boils down to the patterns they work, right? Uh, you know, this is how you kind of move your services and deployments uh, to the next level, so to speak, right? You know, you say, well, why? You know, we already have one, right? And actually, some we had this conversation recently. Somebody's like, but we already have some feature of whatever. It's like, well, yeah, we already have camels to cross the desert with too. So why would you want an air-conditioned solar car? Um, you know, particularly if this is like you plan to do this a lot, right? I mean. Uh, you know, consider the case of uh, the internal combustion engine, right? or maybe 40% efficiency there at best. Uh, but yet, UPS, FedEx, BMW, Chevy, I mean, you name it, they're all invested in alternatives for good reason. Yeah, I mean, you know, and scalability, right, is, it's hard. <laughs> you know, let's face it, right? I mean, uh, like another kind of recent conversation with somebody saying, you, know, you wouldn't believe how many people just click on the logo, and they have no intention of reading the multi-page PDF that it goes to and all this, just the oh, something happens, cool, right? You know, and then all of a sudden there's, they're seeing a load spike that's very hard to plan for. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really interesting point. I think, you you know, the focus on scalability, I think, is what, you know, really kind of defines this idea of reactive. And, and I think, you know, they almost go hand in hand in many ways, you know, as being almost the outcome of really adopting a lot of these principles. And, and, and kind of ways of developing, which I think is really interesting, um, which I think ultimately you know, kind of leads into the next question I want to ask you. Can you describe you know, the difference between a regular deployment pipeline and one that's fully reactive? That's, that's a great question, right? Because there's a lot to it, right? Um, you know, being reactive is more than being asynchronous, for example, right? You know, back pressure and uh, eventual, you know. Anyway, um, you know, and the first part is, right, developers are making these choices, uh, you know, in their applications, and then you want it to be fully reactive, right? I think, you know, that, that was a kind of a key point in the question there, right? Is that it's going to be, why do you want your super well-designed, awesome application waiting to scale because your cluster system can't get a lock, right? I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, and so uh, fully reactive, right? That's the, embra the uh, embracing failure part, right? I mean, it all just makes it for, a uh, you know no blocking anytime uh, sort of operation that gives you downright simplicity, right? I, I think that's kind of where you know you get the technical bits of uh, isolation and autonomy and, and message driven, but that results in a simplicity, and and that's a little bit interesting, right? Because then you start going, wait a minute, I don't need all this complexity to manage, you know, where stuff is and stuff because. I've got these, you know, convergence data types that will uh, that I can work with, and uh, so you get a simplicity in things, and now you get some confidence as well, right? Because you start to be able to go, oh, right, it, there's not a lot of moving parts. If I if I do this, it does that, and okay, cool, right? So let's 
And then that enables velocity, productivity. And, and that's when you start to go, okay, right, cool. Let's, yeah, if we do this and this, and hey, can you, you know, you start to get it, the teams really flying, so to speak, and, and you get that really productive thing. And, and so it's a little bit of a curve, but uh, once you get the full thing, kind of, you know, your app and the whole deployment stack in this reactive, very responsive, scalable mode, it, it becomes a lot of fun is <laughs> kind of the short of it. Right. And, that, and that's something that I've heard from other companies um, and other places that have kind of moved towards the model, at least on the development side. So it's interesting to see how these princ those principles translate into, again, actually deploying software and, and how that works. Um, and right, I think, right. you know, and I think another interesting thing, too, is and this, again, also leads into my my next question, you know, when we're thinking about, you know, these deployment reactive deployment systems, you know, how, you know, why should reactive microservices be deployed on a reactive deployment system? And really, in other words, you know, what do users l lose when they deploy reactive microservices on a non reactive deployment system? Right, right. And yeah, I think we, you know, it's kind of like we started to touch upon that the simplicity that comes from uh, a, a non big C, right? So the you know the cap theorem says you can be uh, partition tolerant, available, or cons strongly consistent. Right? You you can't have all three. Um, so when you move away from those big C strongly consistent things, like we've done in our development as well in our deployment, uh, we enjoy similar benefits, right? Um, and we and that's why I said we get that simplicity and then the confidence because. You know, it's that you know the isolation, let it fail. It's like it just gives you so much more, uh, you know, confidence to operate. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, those are kind of like I, big differences between um, some of what people are used to and what you can do with a reactive full stack deployment. Hmm. No, that's that's really interesting. Um, and I guess in your opinion, can developers and software architects modify their existing deployment pipeline to support reactive principles? Um. I guess that's maybe a yes and no sort of thing, depending on, right? I guess in setting up a new project at this point, uh, you know, I mean, certainly there's edge cases that are simple or whatever, but most deployments that are, you know, real projects, you know, one of the first things you do is you want to set up that pipeline, right? The CD pipeline so that the team can start iterating, right? It's like, oh, look at the, I, I, added, I got whatever working, cool, right? You know, let's get it out to the test environment. And that CD pipeline really should be to a, a production, you know, if not to the single Linux server that, you know, running on a VM somewhere, maybe two VMs on the same Linux server. I mean, right, it should be a little cluster, right? The cluster that, or whatever it is you depend to deploy upon. Um, and you really kind of want to get that set up probably, you know, day two, right? <laughs> it's like you get a GitHub project, and let's get the CD pipeline going. It's that a nerdly thing. Um, and, but you're using existing tools as well, right? Maven, Jenkins. Um, and so on. So, you, you know, it's like you don't have to relearn the world, but, um, you know, certainly you want to uh, get that CD pipeline kind of up and early when you start working on the project is is probably the key tip to think about there. No, that's 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 really interesting. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and how does implementing a reactive deployment pipeline marry with current container and container orchestration strategies and tools? And I mean, do you see any potential points of conflict? between those two? Yeah, uh, I think uh, Jonas um, in his uh, book kind of that opened the series really addressed kind of part of the that the, this magic happy point, right? He got, you know, Carl Hewitt and actors and Jim Gray and, and Pat Helland at Tandem Systems, Joe Armstrong, I mean, just all this, right? You know, people who kind of ahead of their time and kind of, you know, 
And and then you put it together with containers, right? Where it's like that, uh, you know, which I, you know, the, I, I, of course, it has a Dr. Well because of the intermodal thing, right? We're not dealing with bundles of bananas anymore. They're boxes, right? Yay. Um, right. <laughs> you know, and they just all come together, um, you know, really well. And I mean, it kind of reminds me of like, uh, you know, I saw some infographic thing, right? Where they, they show the Porter Rotterdam, right? You know, how many thousands of, I don't know what they call them, equivalent units we move per day, blah, blah. And then this guy shows up with his horse and buggy with a, a wagon full of bananas, right? It's like, well, what am I going to do with this, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, one problem there, I guess. Um, and GPL, right? I mean, gosh, you know, that whole lock-in thing. Um, GPL and, lay and layers, right? Because you wind up with a Unix layer. And, um, but, you know, gosh, yeah, points of conflict. Yeah, watch out for the GPL layers if you talk or if you containers. <laughs> No, that's. I think that's a that's a really that's a really interesting point. You know, because I, I there are practical things right to to think about, but some of those things, as you mentioned, I think really make a lot of sense, and I think people will be really interested in as they start to move more and more, you know, into deployment pipelines that use and that utilize reactive principles. Yeah, right. I mean, it's crazy. It's just an interesting time where we're kind of really starting to go. Okay, well, we tried this, and oh wait, <laughs> you know, what, what happens there? Right. <laughs> and and, and you know, what would you say? You know, what's the impact of a reactive deployment pipeline on software teams? You know, like what are the biggest challenges? You know, facing some of these classic large-scale enterprises. You know, looking to builds a deployment pipeline that uses reactive principles? Yeah, no, great question, right? And uh, in some regards, it, probably the first part is a little bit themselves. Um, you know, like, because it's it's kind of, you know, it's a different creature altogether, right? Um, and that embracing of change, you know, not, not just better, right? You know, uh, somebody was talking about the automobile business and, you know, getting into computers, right? You know, bending sheet metal better and faster and cheaper doesn't cut it anymore, right? It's a whole new thing. And, and you see that in kind of as the... As the industry, as organizations adopt DevOps in general, right? Like, uh, was it our, one of the banks in the Netherlands, right? Says, okay, everyone, you you got you you don't have your current role anymore. You got to go find a, a delivery oriented team to join. Um, and so that you know, once you get past it, it's like, okay, we want to do something like that. You know, it, it becomes really interesting because then you can start get that. You know, okay, let's do it differently. Let's re rethink this. And then, of course. I think another challenge there is just the entrapments, right? That, you know, all the vendors have laid for you, right? You know, mm, try it this way. It's really easy. It was like, oh, wait, now I'm using some weird, oh, and then like six months later, okay, right, we need to scale and move or, oh, wait, oh, that's a sticky wicket. Now is it? Um, so, you know, standards really do help there. Um, so watch for the standards too as you go for the journey. Interesting. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, moving on, you know, how, how would you say data management you know, how is data management handled when moving to a reactive deployment pipeline? Are there any particular pointers, you know, developers and software architects need to keep in mind? You know, I, I think the same answer is they've already reached for their applications, right? Uh, eventual consistency, uh, CRTDs, things of that nature, so that, um, you know, you're the same principles that we have in our, you know, okay, yes, you know, SQL's fine in some cases, but, uh, you know, if you want scalability, Think about CQRS, right? Um, same, it's the same, the same, you know, th that's the simplicity of this whole deployment thing is like, wait a minute, we just figured out how to do this for development. Why would our deployment app be any different? Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I, I, you know, I like to ask this last, uh, last question a lot of times because it's kind of a, a future looking, you know, view, um, at the industry and, and trends <laughs> okay. and things developing. Bring up the crystal ball. You know, so it, 
Right. So, so in your opinion, you know, how will open source continue to shape and influence software development practices such as microservices and deployment pipelines and even reactive over the, the next yeah, five years? Sure. Um, I guess I'll have to say it probably the, in a similar way it has in the last five, 10 or plus years now. Right. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it's all the, all the rivers lead to the sea and pretty much all, all projects wind up in an open source world. It's just a matter of how, what do they, what's it look like when they get there? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I mean, that's the importance of standards, right? I mean, we used to do all this stuff ourselves not that long ago. And, you know, even if they're not, you know, hardcore, uh, you know, specification things, because those have, you know, the mixed bags, but, uh, you know, kids are like the elk stack and pub sub, right? I mean, they're kind of, you know, patterns, right? It's just like, okay, well, what do we do? We well, Let's stick with what works, right? I mean, good engineering is applying known principles uh, to solve problems. And we have research scientists go figure out new solutions. So yeah, OSS will be able, it will continue to go on, right? I mean, like Kubernetes and things of that nature didn't exist as open source uh, creatures, and I'm sure there'll be more coming <laughs> soon. Right. No, I, I I agree with you. I think that the industry continues to kind of move more along this this open source um, highway, and I think you know the more we can get on you know tooling and frameworks and new things and more innovation that will come along, I think will only help to push you know, the industry forward into new and exciting areas that I think benefits all, you know, you know, enterprises, businesses, but just, you know, everyone, which is, I think, really, you know, really exciting, you know, thing. It's to, a fun time about, to be playing uh, with this stuff. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Absolutely. So, right. You know, and again, you know, we're, we're talking with Ed Callahan, you know, senior engineer at Lightbend. Uh, thanks again, Ed, for taking the Thank time. Thank you. To talk I really today. enjoyed it.